know that. This is far more interesting than I thought it was. I thought it was just like a bunch of boring time stuff. <laughs> that, that's it. I feel like that's like a good clip to describe the podcast in general. It's like, this is far more interesting than I initially thought it was. <laughs> I just thought this was going to be some boring time stuff. Apoptosis is going mad, my liver's gonna fail. Maybe it's from the radium I use to paint my nails. Well, say you hate me, carbon date me, throw me in the sea. I'll be back with time because I'm made of stardust and chemistry. A stardust and chemistry. And hello and welcome to Cowboy Chemistry, or welcome back because we took a little break, but we're going to get back to it. Uh, my name is Dylan Tharpy Rally, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm a PhD candidate at a PhD candidate in chemistry at Texas Tech University. And my guest today is Kristen Barron. Um, for today's discussion, she's going to be my alien expert. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I Once again, I'm Kristen Barron, and my pronouns are whatever you want to call me. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> that old joke, right? Um, and I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I like talking about weird things, and aliens are right up there with my... Uh, my interests as you if and you know y'all can't see this but you know i have you know ufo earrings and an alien t-shirts this was right perfect for me yeah okay so i was told that we were going to talk about aliens dropping nuclear waste radioactive waste into stars yeah so you've got this is something i've not heard of you're ahead of me on this so you've got to tell Ooh. me details okay so, um, well, you know, how, I guess first I wanted to see how much do you know about stars and how elements are made in, in stars? I mean, I know that we are all made of star stuff, mm -hmm. um, that I was born in the heart of a star <laughs> and, but other than that, I guess I don't really know much outside of the fact that stars like nuclear reactions happen inside the heart of stars and mm -hmm. and then eventually they run out of fuel and then they collapse in on themselves mm -hmm. and then they become planets or something i don't know my son tried to explain it to me and i was not quite i i just zoned out once we stopped talking about aliens so <laughs> well um yeah so today we're going to talk about uh pris Przybylski's star, um, or HD 101065, or I don't know if it's 101065. I don't know how they name their, like, if you pronounce each number, I feel like there's, like, a specific way that people say numbers in right. fields. But I'm going to call it 101065. That makes more sense, because nobody wants to say 101065. That's a lot. Right? That's but too much. people might do that. But um, this is a, a rapidly oscillating AP star, so I don't know that much about stars, but that's like the specific kind of star it is. Okay. Um, at, and it's about 356 light years or 109 parsecs from, the, from our sun, um, and it's in the southern constellation of Centaurus. Nice. So okay. if you know where Centaurus is, southern constellation of Centaurus. Like yeah, You could probably know. see it in the sky. I don't know. Um, but in 1961, it was discovered by the Polish, uh, Australian astronomer, Antony Przybylski. Yeah. And he discovered that it had a peculiar spectrum that would not fit into the standard framework for stellar classification. So when we like look at stars, right, they're like, basically they're different colors, right? So you've heard of like red giants, blue White. dwarfs, right? Right. So like. He's Red like, dwarfs. this one doesn't seem to fit in those categories. What's going on with this? Um, and then when they actually, like, took the spectrum of it, when you take the spectrum of a star, you can figure out what elements that star is made up of. Right. Um, and so he saw that there was an overabundance of rare Earth elements, including short-lived radioactive isotopes, um, 
and underabundances of the more common lighter elements such as iron um, and like the smaller elements that you'd expect. So that's interesting. Yeah. And and so the hypothesis that he came to, the only conclusion that he knew was that obviously aliens are dumping nuclear waste into the star. No. Oh. <laughs> he, he did not come up with that. He, that was... He was just like, this star is weird. Oh, okay. He's not the one who was like, aliens. Well, then <laughs> he and I probably wouldn't have a whole lot to talk about. Yeah. He was just like, oh, this is unusual. Yeah. So when he took it, he's like, okay, we found a whole lot of unusual elements like strontium, polonium, niobium, scandium, yttrium, cesium, neodymium, thorium, terbium, uranium in the star. Yeah, I guess it never dawned on me that, like, the nuclear reactions in a, inside the star are going to create a lot of, like, nuclear elements. Well, they don't normally. Yeah, okay. So. That makes more sense that that's not a normal process. Mm-hmm. But this one's super weird and has yeah. a bunch of radioactive things mm-hmm. in it that we don't normally see. Yes. Hmm, okay, I'm intrigued. Yeah, so um, typically a star... Uh, starts off basically as a cloud of hydrogen gas, right? Um, Big Bang happens. Three elements are made in the Big Bang. Hydrogen primarily, a little bit of – or helium – hydrogen like by and large, right? right? Comparatively a small amount of helium and then comparatively a really small amount of lithium was made. So the first three elements were made during the Big Bang. Um, Then you have clouds of hydrogen gas and they form into stars and they start doing – it's called hydrogen burning – so it's not actually like burning like we think of burning. Right. But it's a fusion reaction, which is the opposite of a fission reaction, right? So right. fission, you break apart into two smaller atoms. Fusion, you're combining into one bigger atom. Right. And the the fusion is what the atom bomb was, and the fission is what we just discovered not to – or we were just able to replicate a little bit a while ago where it actually – produced enough heat you got it backwards oh i know i probably did i always get the words backwards so fission is like nuclear bombs do fission nuclear reactors do fission right and then fusion is the new thing like they they came out recently with what you said you know they just now made more energy in a fusion reaction than they put into it yes and by a large margin that's that in and of itself is amazing science and chemistry right there (laughs) anyway we're, we're off topic. So, yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't quite realize that the very first things that came out of the Big Bang were just those three elements. Mm-hmm. Now it makes so much more sense. Like, literally, I guess, so, like, the whole universe is really just put together through n- nuclear fission? Mm-hmm. That yep. is crazy. Oh, yeah. that is so fun. I like that idea. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so if you actually talk to an astronomer about the the periodic table of elements, it's hydrogen, helium, and then the rest. Literally, like, every astronomer paper is, like, hydrogen, helium, the rest. We don't care. Really? They treat all the rest of the periodic table as, like, the same thing. It's crazy. Well, oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on the, that, the new science with the fission, the fusion. fusion. I'm sorry. I'm going to just say fission because that's what I've been saying forever. But with the fusion, like, the implications of them fusing the – those two hydrogen atoms maybe have a lot of implications or at least um, applications or whatever for astronomy and then being able to maybe figure out how other things formed. Or maybe they don't even care. I People care. People do care. That's a big thing. That's yeah. a big discovery. No, uh, fusion is definitely an area of research. For a while there, there was like cold fusion, but that's not really work. a thing. Yeah. Um, because fusion takes place under really hot conditions. You can't... Right. But they use lasers this time. That... Who knew lasers was going to solve this problem? Lasers. Lasers, <laughs> yeah. Lasers are like the answer to everything. I mean, nuclear fusion, hairy upper lips. They just solve all kinds of human <laughs> problems. Sorry. An unwanted tattoo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe lasers are where it's at. Maybe I need to learn more about lasers and their amazing science. I'm just really fascinated by all science, so. Who needs therapy when you have lasers, right? That's right. I mean, you just make a laser gun. That solves a lot of problems. Point it into your brain or your heart, wherever, yeah, whatever lasers. hurts, just point it. Yeah. I'm point in. and shoot. Fixed. We need a, man, all-purpose lasers. Where's Dr. Evil on this, Fun right? fact, there's actually specific 
laser safety courses you have to take if you work with lasers. Oh, yeah, because they're super dangerous, man. Yeah. I mean, you could blind somebody with just the lasers you use for your cat. Can you? Yes. If you shine a laser into somebody's eye, that hurts. It, you, it'll, you'll put, it can blind you. You ever try it? Yeah, you probably should. <laughs> I don't recommend it. It literally says on the package, do not shine into your eyeballs. But Good to you know. know. I, I, I guess I just won't. You yeah. know, I don't need to test that Listen, one. Listen, I'm not your mom. I'm not the government. I'm not going to tell you what to do. If you want to shine a laser in your eye, go for it. The, no, though, no, do not go for it. The podcast does not. not you go for it. Me specifically. specifically. <laughs> Dylan and Rally, you go for it. Everybody else don't. <laughs> Let me be the dumb one. Yes. I mean, that sounds like something a scientist has done and been like, ooh, I've created this beam. Let me look at it real oh, quick. That's 100%. definitely what happened. There's definitely, I mean, scientists have done some really That's how dumb, they make the rules. That's exactly. A thousand percent. I Somebody mean, did it first and then, then, yeah. And now they try to come up with preemptive rules and that doesn't work out very well. Yeah, because sometimes they're just like, Sometimes, like, how can you think of the rules preemptively for this new technology? And you're just like, oh, yeah, no, that's – maybe we shouldn't do that. Oh, anyway. no, like, so there was a little a skirmish at tech with some of the safe- – we just hired a new safety guy who came from industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm sure he's he's fine. But the first interaction we had with him is he told us that we – he had a new um, procedure for how to deal with gas cylinders, right? Non-flammable okay. gases in a cylinder, high pressure, blah, 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 right? Um, they they do have hazard, right? But he made this the safety thing that was like once you put your – you can't take the gas out of the container. So once you put it in the container, you can't take it out of the container. Hmm. And it's like – What's the point of putting it in the container? Exactly. It's like you can't transfer it from container to container. That's literally the whole point of having the gas is to transfer it from container to container. Yeah, because you need to, like, wouldn't you need certain gases for certain experiments and stuff? Like, don't y'all have, like, an argon machine where you have to pump, like, wouldn't that be considered getting the gas out of the container? So that whole machine that's probably hundreds of thousands of dollars is just obsolete now. It's not hundreds of thousands of dollars, but, well, are you talking about my dry box? Yeah. Yes. That is hundreds of thousands of dollars. We also just have, like, a gas line that goes into our hoods that have argon gas, um, and that's way, way, that's not hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, I'm talking about that big thing with the googly eyes on it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did put googly eyes on it. Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. I I named him Helmet. (laughs) I like him. He's fun. I can't wait to meet him again. I think think we're going to have to, like, turn off the lights and shut the door, like, for a little bit. Should I leave you? Alone yes, please. That would <laughs> greatly appreciate it. Listen, you're not going to be able to make me sound not dirty. Like, that's... <laughs> okay. But, so, stars. They're made of hydrogen. Yes. Uh... Yes. <laughs> and then they create other elements through fusion, fusion mm-hmm. in the heart of the star. Mm-hmm. And that's where the elements that make up the universe and me and you and and Selena and just everything and... Yes. That not is... Elon Musk, though. Not that guy. Oh, not that guy? Not no. that guy. I think he's an alien. Him and Jeff But Bezos. aliens were made in the heart of the star, As too. long as he's from this universe. I don't know if he is. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely on board with him being an alien, but um, I don't think he was born in the heart of the star. He was born in the asshole of a star. That's where he was born. Okay. Okay. He is the fart of the universe. Is there we go. Is. I'm in. He's the fart of the universe. He's horrible. <laughs> Okay, so two hydrogen atoms come together, make helium. Yep. <laughs> right? And then you have helium burning where the helium comes together and creates um, helium. Helium makes uh, beryllium. And then you get uh, the carbon-oxygen-nitrogen cycle. Yeah, you're going to have to – you don't have I to go into a, that now, but I, got I don't know I got an image for it. Ooh. But basically carbon – you get a cycle going where it's carbon-12 turns into nitrogen-13, turns into carbon-13, turns into nitrogen-14, turns into oxygen-15, turns into nitrogen-15, and then back to carbon-12. Nice. And that goes around and around and around for a while. <laughs> Why or how is that important? Uh, I mean, basically it's a combination of like heliums and hydrogens bumping into 
the uh, other lighter elements of, you know, beryllium. And so basically, like, it forms and then it decomposes and it forms and it decomposes and then it reforms. And, like, it's just because if you think about it, um, it's, it's, pro it's mostly because of, like, statistics, right? So you have this really high pressure of all these light elements bouncing around in there, right? So, like, they're reacting and then splitting and reacting and splitting. It just right? sounds like an elemental orgy. They're all yes. just in this place doing things and sharing electrons and pos and protons and just mixing it all up and becoming yes. each other over and over. Sounds yes. very It's mostly protons. Uh there are electrons in there, but it's more of a soup because it's super hot, right? Okay, so okay. like the electrons are not um bound to the nuclei because of all the high energy stuff going on. Okay. Typically, you know. Um so you don't really have traditional um chemical reactions happening at the at the center of a star, right? Because chemical reactions are all changes of electrons. Okay. So it's a polycule. Yes. As a, <laughs> you know, polyamorous, whatever. All right. <laughs> yeah. I just like relating everything back to dirty stuff. <laughs> That's how my brain understands things. Um, but yeah, so you have that going on. And then um, once you get bigger stars and they start consuming all those lighter elements – the center starts becoming the heavy elements, mm -hmm. and then the outer edges stay being hydrogen and helium. So the center of the stars, the heart of the stars, start forming heavier and heavier elements because eventually it'll get out of the carbon-hydrogen or the carbon-nitrogen-oxygen cycle. So the carbon-hydrogen-nitrogen uh, cycle, um, basically our star, at, at our star size and smaller. It's mostly proton-proton um, transfers, which is just hydrogen atoms reacting and making a lot of small elements, right? So okay. that's – our star is mostly helium, hydrogen, and the lighter elements. So we're right? not going to find, like, uranium and plutonium right. and chromium in our star. Right. It's just too small. Right. Okay. At 1.3 times the size of our star is where you're starting to get that carbon-oxygen-nitrogen cycle happening in the center of the star. Okay. And then as you get bigger, it, you can start making heavier and heavier elements. Crazy. And actually get nuclear elements in there? Or are we, are we still just talking like not there yet? So as they get heavier and heavier, in a typical star, you get a peak at iron. Okay. So like it get, you know, you have a lot of abundance of the smaller ones. And then the heaviest element that you'll still have good, a, a lot of abundance of is iron. And then you might have trace amounts of other heavier elements um, but iron is um, particularly stable. So once you make iron, it tends to start accumulating iron, right? So you're not getting things fusing. Like anything you make that's heavier than iron tends to d decay back to iron. And so you just get this accumulation of iron Okay. in most stars. Because I'm just trying to think. Because I know that most radioactive elements eventually mm – -hmm degrade back into not lead. lead into lead mm. and i was just trying to i'm looking at the periodic table of elements trying to figure out where lead and iron are on the table just to see where the relation is to kind of mm -hmm. and so you that. have to think of this from the other end right so you're going from lighter elements into heavier elements right. right and so those really heavy elements that you're thinking of as being nuclear elements those are typically created in supernovas or these like big that's what I was going to ask. Where yeah. do those come from? Because those had to have been formed somewhere. Yes. So those are formed in the, like, not even, because supernovas aren't even stars. Those are, like, huge, just gaseous, I don't know a lot about astronomy. Yeah, so, um, yeah, basically the giant stars, like, when they collapse in on themselves and then okay. they explode back out, that's a supernova. Okay. Right. So, and then often you can also create, like, um, black holes and those kind of events, right? So basically, you get your heavier elements when you have this superheated thing that collapses in on itself, adding pressure. Mm -hmm. It's the pressure that you add to this mix, to the soup, to get our heavy elements, right. where we get our uraniums and our plutoniums and, and our then, chromiums. and Right, and then, you know, at the supernova, it's getting blasted out, right? right? So you're not having that reaction continue. Nothing is, is reacting and, and making it decay back into the iron. You know, and then you get these like more stable elements, right? Right, and it's flowing and it, through the universe, and it is hitting like atmospheres and landing on the planets and. 
well, typically it creates like a dust cloud, right? So then you get like a nebula and then the nebula um, naturally forms into planets and then there, sometimes okay, another okay. star. Uh, so space stuff. I'm not an expert in space stuff, but that's right. my understanding is like, you know, makes a dust cloud and then the dust cloud forms into planets. Yes, that I'm not an expert in space stuff, but man, now I really want to be. This is really <laughs> I, who knew. I didn't know that. Like the only, the only my interest in space has only been in as much as like aliens. <laughs> like, what are the odds that aliens exist that we're going to come in contact with aliens and that aliens have been here and have actually anally probed people? What are the odds of that? Right. That's well, where my interest that's, lies. That's the then your interest is in the basic science of it because you have to think about okay, what are the basic. Uh, like chemical blocks. reactions and building blocks of creating a life form that can survive independently. Right. Like, what are the odds that carbon-based life forms are the predominant life form in the universe and not, like, silicone-based? Uh, which I think that's the prevalent pre- prevalent theory is that most life in the universe would might be more silicone-based, based not on the prevalence of carbon in the universe, but the hostility of the environments in which these aliens would have to evolve. Yeah, it's possible. I've heard that argument as well. I think it more comes down to our understanding of carbon-based life forms mm-hmm. require oxygen. Yeah. And oxygen is kind of rarer to be in the concentrations necessary to have the conditions of life with a carbon-based life form. But silicone has other issues because it can expand its octet. It got it's it's weird. Silicone has silicone chemistry is like crazy. But I, aren't don't we have some silicone-based animals on Earth? I was pretty sure there was like some uh, snail slug thing that lives actually in volcanoes and they're like really badass looking. They're like bright red with like black shells that come up and they, and like they live in lava pockets. Maybe they're at the bottom of the, of the ocean. ocean. So I've heard of that species. They live in the bottom of the ocean. I didn't know they were considered silicone based. My understanding was that they were unique because of their, like, there's no sunlight down there, right? Right. So there, and there's not really a lot of food. So they, there's theories that they're getting their, their uh, energy directly from the heat of the lava of the pockets down there. Right. So like that's my I've heard of those. I haven't super looked into it, but that was my understanding. I don't think they're made of silicone, but I could be totally Well, I, I, I feel like that I would know about that. That seems like something I would know, but maybe I don't. I don't well, know. Well, and, and I could be wrong too. It might just the fact that they don't have a traditional life cycle or like don't get energy in a traditional way right. might have been the basis for a theory of how silicone Based, life, Based forms. life forms would be maybe more prolific within the universe because, you know, obviously the host- the universe is hostile with exploding stars and nuclear reactors all over. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't, you know, yeah. Earth is like really rare and super cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so this this is the crux of the problem, though, with this star, right? So you have certain elements being made in this star that are heavier than they should be based on the size of the star, right? Right. So, because if you look at, like, where, again, where it comes from, hydrogen, helium, lithium, big bang, you get lithium, carbon, nitrogen from these lower mass stars. Um, You get heavier elements from supernovas and exploding stars um, and that kind of stuff. And then even heavier elements you get from merging neutron stars, like, and exploding white dwarfs. So, like, there's, like, different kinds of stars, and they come up with these different elements, right? Right. But it's – it's they're usually from exploding or, like, there's – it's not just, like, the regular nuclear processes of a living sun creating heavy elements, these really heavy elements. Yeah. So it's almost like that star itself is so rare that it's kind of like an Earth, the fact that Earth is so rare and crazy and the mm-hmm. fact that it has such a diverse life, carbon-based life. Like, this is like a another Earth within the universe, just, you know, a, a star instead. Right, and that's what got the attention of the people trying to do senti- uh, the search for extra t- and. Search for extraterrestrial intelligence, right? SETI, yes, SETI. I know. I yeah. know about them. And so this is a SETI candidate because um, there have been people who have theorized that this 
stars, the reason the star is the way it is is because there is an intelligent alien life that is putting their nuclear waste into the star because anything that is heavier than plutonium, we only made, like we've made it, right? right. We humans have made anything heavier yeah, than plutonium. Yeah, it's not naturally occurring within the the universe. Right. Um, or at least we haven't seen it naturally occurring. On Earth. In the, in the universe. universe. Like in the universe. Like okay. It's not naturally occurring. We only, only we have made it. So there's a specific one that um, people are there's – there's a couple of specific ones that people are mostly interested in. Those are the short-lived actinide elements, actinium, protactinium, neptunium, plutonium, americium, curium, berkelium, californium, and einsteinium. Um, and they have been – Those names sound made up. <laughs> they literally are. I mean, they are. <laughs> I know they are, but those ones sound especially made up compared to everything else on the periodic table like those ones sound like a kindergartner did it like my <laughs> eight-year-old would come up with half of those names <laughs> like well they're supposed to honor the people that helped discover these elements in californium like, that it's because of the lawrence berkeley lab in california oh, that's I why see. berkelium is berkelium i thought it was because the red hot chili peppers album i really love that there we go i like that californication yeah the album. Oh, okay. i was like wait what <laughs> I mean, that's where it, that's where Dream the name came from. California. It's from the Red Hot Chili. Yeah, that's it. Um, okay, <laughs> but those elements- we don't have the rights to that song. <laughs> We're gonna have to cut that. <laughs> but if you change it, that's parody, free use. Parody. There we go. I'm calling parody. You hear that, Red Hot? Don't sue us. <laughs> Don't sue us, Dave Grohl. We're not selling the song. We were just making a joke. Have a sense of humor. Yeah. Don't be a Taylor Swift about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, I can always bring up Taylor Swift. I'm so proud of myself. Okay. <laughs> Is that your thing? Is that your shtick? That's like a, honestly, that should be like a an Easter egg in all of these episodes. It's like, when is Selena going to mention Taylor Swift? <laughs> like, ha- like, like, just have a pool. Like, okay, how many minutes does she make it this time before bringing up? It's just the drinking game now. Oh, is that it? It? But that one, it, like, if I mention Taylor Swift, you have to finish the rest of your drink. Whatever oh, it is, man. you have to finish it. <laughs> uh, I, I would die. I would die. But yeah, so anything heavier than plutonium is uh, man-made. We only, or at least we only know of it as being man-made. Right. We've never um, found it just in the wild. Right. Because the longest living, the longest lived isotope of Einsteinium, like specifically, is only 472 days. I thought you were going to say milliseconds, but 472 days is more impressive. These are like, there's a few that are like semi-stable, right? But Mm -hmm. if if it's formed in the star in 472 days, it would be gone again, right? Right. So that means there has to be something that is continuously making Einsteinium in this star. So are they finding those elements in this star? Is that what I'm understanding? Because that is blowing my mind. Right. So that that's the thing is like so there is these elements in this star that currently have only been known to be made by human humans in this star. And we've only ever made them deliberately and this star is just making them by accident. Possibly, yeah. So that's that's kind of what I wanted to go into um about the cup there's like two main um theories as to why they think that this is here. And I also want to point out or I also want to like let you know like some it's a little bit theoretical on um exactly what isotopes are being being detected in the star because um we can't transport 356 light years away and actually take samples. No, so the the spectrum that we're using to decide which elements exactly and in what concentrations are mm-hmm. in the star are calculated. So we haven't like or well so we have now um, fully um, taken the experimental values of Einsteinium's okay. spectrum. But at the time that they were measuring the abundances, we didn't have those exact measurements. And so the exact amount of Einsteinium and these, some of these heavier elements that are in the star are based on the theoretical spectra, not the measured spectra. Because the measured spectra was just done in 2021. And oh. so no one's actually gone back and been like, okay, let's, let's double check what we did with the theory Right. So we did it theoretically with like what we think is a spectrum. So this whole conversation might be moot because they might realize that they were completely wrong? No. Okay, good. Good. We do know 
that there are a lot it's still heavier there right. there is still more of these elements in this star than we'd expect we just don't know the exact values Let and we don't know way. why and we don't know exactly why they're there how they got there okay so so i guess then you kind of get have to get to the question of if aliens are doing this why like, right. why would they be putting it in there? Is that just to get it off of their planets? Right. And are they using nuclear waste? Because, okay, so from my understanding, which yeah. is, I would say it's 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 a little bit better, higher than like a layman's understanding, but it's still very rudimentary of nuclear, the nuclear process yeah. that we use here on Earth is we distill uranium cakes and the cakes are about 95% uranium. We put them in a nuclear reactor and that reactor only uses about 5% of that mm-hmm. of that fuel and then we throw the rest of it away as nuclear waste, but we could be recycling that. Yes, and in Europe recycles it. Yeah. America for some reason we have laws against it, which is really uh, antiquated, but you would think that if capitalism, right? Well, well, yes more... and no. It, it's the the reason is because it's very expensive to um, recycle it. Like the it's very right, energy so capitalism. and it's energy intensive too. But it's it's not necessarily worth it right now because we have a lot of it. Right, like we have a lot of uranium, and so to actually process it when we just have more, like but also. <laughs> recycling it would get rid of the waste, like, or a lot of the waste. We would be able to... get rid of the volume. Right. And also, recycling it creates more elements that we are actually running out of, like helium-3. I think you told me that, Mm. um, that we can recycle helium-3 out of it, which there's a shortage of, which is the stuff you put in your balloons. That's why balloons are so expensive. It's just helium in general, not helium-3. Oh, wow. Most helium is helium-4, just so you know. Wow. It's not... (laughs) um, just letting you know. So it's... What I'm understanding is that it's not cost-effective to recycle it because in the short term, we have enough. Yes. Right. And but it, we won't it, always. Correct. No. So there will come a time, and that that's actually part of like, like most radiochemistry research is in separations because they're trying to make a better, more efficient way to separate. To recycle. And to recycle the uranium, to make it more cost effective so that when it comes time where we need to, st- we oh, need okay. to start recycling it, um... To do that. So okay. like, right. Because most people, the concept is that uranium, we just have a ton and ton and ton of it. But it's actually just like any other element. It's, it's rare and there's not a whole lot of it. It's just that uranium, we can get a lot of use out of it for a very tiny amount. So like I said, like you, they make mm-hmm. these cakes that are 95% uranium and then we put them in a, in a nuclear reactor and the nuclear reactor makes tons of energy and only uses about 5% of the uranium that's in there. So... Um, it, we will eventually run out in like 400 years. Right. But if we recycle our uranium, we could it could last a lot longer than that. The reason why nuclear is not viable right now is like you said, because of the recycling. But the reason why we never actually did more research into this is because of things like Three Mile Island and uh, Chernobyl and other things like that. And... And it's the oil companies because nuclear, no, they it was basically propaganda and fear uh, based con or like oh no look what it's gonna do Wh- but when you actually look at nuclear plants and nuclear everything less people have died in the entire time we have used nuclear than died just this month using all of the other like yeah. natural resources so and, yeah and it's people ridiculous. don't realize that like coal energy. The, the energy in like the the coal when you have that much bulk coal it's as it's more radioactive than a radioactive plant absolutely because like I, I was thinking about this the other day was that um there was a coal ash spill near my hometown in Tennessee um and coal ash is first of all caustic it's it's right it, it's you know it's just nasty stuff you know it's basic it's it's like a toilet cleaner level mm-hmm. basic, right? So it'll it's just toxic that way. And then it's also radioactive. It is radioactive. Yeah. And it's not nuclear waste. It's from coal. It's from burning a crap ton of coal. Yeah, like <laughs> our traditional oil-based, coal-based, uh, fossil fuel resources, they are 
not only are they bad for greenhouse gases, but they are far more cancer-causing or just as cancer-causing than uh, most nuclear radioactive things. And mm-hmm. not only that, the radioactive stuff, it, it, they're, in some ways, it's easier to contain because there's – but There's more precautions and stuff in place. So, like, the yeah. thing, things like coal, things like natural gas and oil, they're very, like – they're cheaper to do. Yes. But the cost of it – the when it comes to the environment, cost. is a lot bigger. And the bigger. human cost, mm-hmm. just the human cost of it is And staggering. you have to use, like, and there's so much waste in it. There's so mm-hmm. much waste. There's oil that just gets spilled out into the ground, like. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the products the regulations up- on nuclear nuclear reactors are so much stricter than and then any fossil fuels. And it's because of fossil fuels. It's literally because of the oil industry yeah. back well, in the day. Because if, if you can get so much out of uranium and using just a small amount and the amount of, like what waste or whatever is less there's literally no reason outside of just pure greed to not do it right Mm -hmm. literally that's literally what it was and they just played up the big huge fears and and when you look at places like three mile island and Mm -hmm. even like now chernobyl was huge and bad but with three mile island like the damage was negligible compared to what the fossil fuel the damage fossil fuels caused was entirely preventable. Absolutely. Like, like it, was, it was just it was, bad science. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. People pushing that reactor to the brink for literally no reason. Right. For literally no reason. Like, they shouldn't have done it. They were cutting a bunch of corners and, like, yeah, it, it was and entirely preventable. Interestingly enough, you might have to Google this because I'm going to get my dates wrong, but the Chernobyl ran. Like, you know, Chernobyl, the reactor thing the disaster happened in 1986 they just killed like they just chernobyl just ran out of of radioactive energy like they just decommissioned the entire um facility it was actively producing electricity for belarus and the surrounding areas up until 2017 really Oh, it might be less than that. It might be 2012, but it was the 20s. It was past 2010. I know that for a fact because I remember being like, oh, who knew it was still running? I'm going to say that and you're going to Google it and I'm going to be totally wrong, but it was definitely into the 2000s. It was past Y2K. So did they shut it? Do you think they shut it down because some oil company bought off the people? No. No. No, it was just it, um, just old infrastructure. I'm just like, how do I talk about the evils of capitalism? You and Taylor Swift. I am here. And why with are they you. one and the same? Like, I like you. I like your. I like the cut of your jib because I'm here for it. I love it. Um, That's the only thing that I can because I don't know anything about science at all. So I'm just like, how do I make this political and or pop culture? Oh man, Chernobyl's all political. Man, I'm here with you. I can. I can help you. We're gonna. We're gonna make. We're going to make things political in pop culture. I'm all about it. Um, Chernobyl is definitely an interesting example. But basically, they just – it was still – there were still parts of Chernobyl that were working. The reason they finally decommissioned it was literally – it was just old. They weren't updating the infrastructure. They weren't, you know, making it brand new or anything. It was partially pragmatic to keep it running because they had to monitor, you know, the the elephant's foot and the the stuff that was – leftover from the uh chernobyl disaster but also i mean it was still functional if it ain't broke don't fix it like let's keep using it we can still get energy out of it and uh so it was kind of dual purpose as to why they kept it running for so long and then they finally just decommissioned it because it just got old it just got antiquated it was you know as old as i am and they were just like let's put this girl out to pasture we've got much better technologies did you look up when it got decommissioned uh it didn't tell me the year but really it wasn't actually producing active power it was just maintaining itself so that it didn't overheat and cause more damage i was pretty sure um i'm gonna i was literally sure i read a whole thing about how it was actively creating power for uh the city of pripyat and like surrounding areas well we will agree to disagree maybe somebody who's listening and actually knows the answer can be like well actually (laughs) yeah somebody tweet us the real answer i don't know yeah (laughs) but uh as far as i could tell it was just keeping itself cool it was the the energy for chernobyl is just keeping itself cool okay so that it which is important because you know the elephant's foot is still an issue 
Yeah. Which, that's a perfect example. The elephant's foot. So when Chernobyl, like, exploded, basically, like, the elephant's foot is, like, all of that nuclear fuel still reacting to this day. From 1986, for as long as I've been alive, this stuff's still reacting, like... If we could do more science to figure out how we can keep things reacting for 40 years off of this same little fuel and then, you know, not have it melt down, like, that would be great. And as far as the elephant foot goes, it's supposed to keep reacting for the next two to 400 years. Yeah. And so, like, the the spent nuclear waste that comes out of reactors does continue to react. Like, it is still doing right. a nuclear reaction. The reason we take it out is because it's no longer as, as efficient as right. it was. It's, it's not, not that creating... it's done. It's that it's just not as efficient as it was. Right. But it's still probably more efficient than, like, your your general combustion engine. Probably. Yeah. I don't know how to compare that, but, I mean, I'm going to say yes. I just mean, like, there's... there's the reaction time is longer, and it's more effective yes. with less amount of material. Yes. It's still, in all those regards, still the same There's still pros benefits. and cons, like with a combustion, like with, if you had a combustion engine, you can turn that off and the process stops. Whereas with nuclear, you, there's no way to turn it off. That's part of the problem. Uh, well, I guess maybe you could, I guess, with the boron. And yeah, it, so you can, there are ways to slow it down, quench it, control you, it. Yeah. Um, we do know how to do that. Um but I don't think you can actually stop it until the fuel is compl- like actually removed from. Yeah, you'd have to remove it from the reactor, and mm-hmm. yeah. But um, see, the reason I know so much about this is because I want to go into radiochemistry and be the, one of the people that researches how to recycle our fuel and get more stuff out of it. So this is my jam. <laughs> but anywho, so we're gonna get back to the yeah, star. Get back to the star. You're gonna have to cut out like. All of that. Like, we're like we just it. went on a tangent. We'll make it a, sh- you can make it what you said, a, a Patreon short. Yes, <laughs> we'll turn it into a Patreon short. Episode. Well, you'll um, have to tell me where to cut it because I won't know the difference. Fair. Uh, we'll, we'll, we might listen to, to it me, together. Like, this all makes sense. This is all applying to the same thing. Right. Yes. I mean, it, it really is to a degree, but not aliens well okay so the aliens are dropping the nuclear waste into a star my whole the whole reason we went into the side <laughs> that diatribe, is that is one theory for people that are looking for aliens true. but my <laughs> whole question is if aliens you know humans we're pretty dumb apes like you would think that aliens would be smart enough to be able to refine their nuclear waste down and mm. use it longer so that they wouldn't have to drop it in a star well so that's the other side to this coin is that they're doing it on purpose uh-huh, okay so do you right? think it's like you know sometimes when you're on a long car ride and you've accumulated a lot of trash in your car and you just <laughs> stop at a gas station and throw it all the way into that trash you're just done and i mean you that with your life do you think that, that's what they're like we just have to lighten our load we just <laughs> get rid of some of this trash they're just like ah but um maybe um but people also the theory is that they're actually signaling us right like so we send out radio signals and things to try to contact intelligent life outside mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of here and so what's another that this is a theory so that this people is their have, 3 a.m you up text yes yes this is the booty call <laughs> i'm in they're like hey we're here yeah, let's do this. SOS. Ready. <laughs> like, but yeah. So people are like, we're put they're putting this into the star because they know that they can also see all the stars, right? And so putting these heavy elements into the star would signal to other intelligent life, hey, I made these we made these heavy elements ourselves. You made the heavy elements yourselves. Look, look, we made heavy elements. Here's where the life is. So so I'm gonna show my nerd for a bit in December. There was a new paper put out. You know, every I'm gonna say I was gonna say everyone knows the Fermi paradox, and then I was like, no, they probably don't. No. <laughs> so um, the Fermi paradox is basically a bunch of postulations about why, whether aliens exist, and if they do exist, why we haven't contacted them, or they haven't contacted us, or mm-hmm. you know, it's just you're like, oh, the universe is too big, or oh. You know, like the time span of the universe is too big, and so they've aliens might have existed billions of years ago and then completely died out. You know, it's just a bunch of postulations. And one of the new ones that came that um, 
I read a whole article that was published on back in December was that we are not in the age of communication yet. Like we are brand new in the age of communication. Cause if you think about when we started putting out radio signals, that was what the seventies, right? Like literally this has been like 50 years. You know what I mean? Like there are people who are alive that have been, that are older than we've been putting out radio signals. And mm-hmm. so what are the odds that we are going to be contacted within the first 50 years of it? Right. And so, and not only that. Especially it, considering the, how fast radio waves right. move compared to the size of the universe. Right. And compared to lights, you know, mm-hmm. like these aliens are dropping nuclear waste into the heart of a star that, and the, the light from that star is traveling at the speed of light, whereas right. our radio signals are sp- traveling at the speed of sound, I guess? I don't no, know they're they... also traveling at the speed of light. Are they? Yes. Oh. I... Radio waves are are oh, electromagnetic God. radiation. I didn't realize that. Now I and feel they're, dumb. They're very... <laughs> You're not dumb. They're very long light. Okay. They're very long. They're the size of buildings. But still, I mean, they say that when you look at the stars, you are looking at long, dead planets and and galaxies and stuff because of the amount of time it takes the light to get back to us. So technically, any radio signals, even though they're traveling at the speed of light, they're only 50 light years at most away from Earth. Mm -hmm. Like, like our... Like, our solar system is far bigger than that. I don't know how long 50 light years is or, like, where that puts you in our solar system. But it's, you know, definitely not outside of the galaxy yet. I'm going to Google that. But the implications are if this thing is 356 light years away from us... And the postulation is that aliens have been putting nuclear waste in the heart of this star for uh to get other people's attention these aliens are at least 356 years older than us their civilization right. and technology and the, just the fact that they have space travel that allows them to put the nuclear stuff in the star so these guys like do we want to fuck with them <laughs> do we want to interact with these guys cuz no immediately the first thing we're going to want to do is fight uh our our solar system is, is- 0.00127 light years. And they're five, 350, whatever. Yeah. They're, three, they're 356, uh, 356 light years away. So, like, but I, I was just letting you know, like, the, so the radio waves have made it out of our solar system. Like, okay. You know, when you were, like, when you were you young just kept... and you were, like, you had a fake girlfriend and she went to a different school. Right. <laughs> She's really long distance. Okay, so our radio waves have made it past our our our, gal- our solar system, but they haven't made it to the center of our galaxy yet. No, because that's really far away. Yes. Okay, so at least <laughs> I sound smart on that part. Okay. But yeah, so basically, the thought is they're doing this on purpose, right? To signal us is is one theory, or it's like you know, like you said, opening the car door and shoving all the trash out of the car. Right. right. Those are the two options. Both. Honestly, equally plausible in my mind if you're talking about aliens. Now, let's get into the less conspiracy theory reason and possible like this actually happened within the star. There's no intelligent life doing this theory on how it happened. Well, you've just lost me. <laughs> you, you, you've decided it's aliens um, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously it's aliens. It can't be anything else. Why? Like, podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... um. Yeah, so there's a lot of short-lived, like I said, short-lived isotopes in the star. Um, and so they must be constantly being replenished in order to uh, be continually in the star, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the, the, the idea is that they the, somehow a really, really heavy element was created um, that is in the Island of Stability. Have you ever heard of the Island of Stability? My son tried to explain that to me the other day, and my eyes glazed over, and, like, a little hamster started dancing in my brain. <laughs> so, I've heard of it. I have no idea what it is. It sounds like a therapy term. Yeah. 
I, yes, I'm on board with it being a therapy term. In fact, if I ever become a therapist, that's going to, it's going to be, my, it's it, going to revolve around that. It like makes sense. So you have these like time periods in your life where you feel mentally stable. Yeah. And then the rest of the time you're just swimming in the ocean trying not to drown. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, I remember 1986, that was my island of stability. And then I had my first birthday and everything And then went I to learned hell. how to speak. Yeah. And then, I, and then I took my first steps and it was all downhill from there <laughs> um but yeah so the island of stability is this theory that there will be a super heavy element that is more stable than these other heavy elements so right because like i said anything at past plutonium we've only humans have been the only ones to make it right right it's not naturally occurring in the same way except we're um, on this star except yeah so this star has an, an unusual amount of these heavy elements um and so the island of stability is uh, at 126 protons. So currently we're at 118. Okay. Like if you look at the periodic table, the heaviest element is element 118, which is Tennessee, home, home state. Okay. So how can – how okay. Is that a theoretical thing? Yes. I was about to say, because so there's no way we could have... Okay. Right. So, okay. So, it's a way to confirm a theory we already have. So, okay. the theory we already have is called magic numbers. I'm sorry. I have said this wrong. Um, the next one's 184. The last one we made is 126. So, the island of stability is 184? Yes. That's the theory. Okay. That's the theory. Um, Why? That's so, a lot. If we've only made twenty up to 126... Like that's yes. that's a big gap. Yes. And so but there's a theory we have called magic numbers. And the magic numbers are in in terms of like um the stability for um the nuclei, right? Okay. So helium's the first magic number. So helium's very stable with two neutrons, two protons. Okay. Magic number of two. Then you have the next magic number is eight, then twenty, then twenty-eight, then fifty, then eighty-two, then one twenty-six. And those are the ones we've observed so far. So how did they come up with these magic numbers? You have to go into detail. So magic numbers, the, how we get them is how stable the nuclei that we have are. Because I, I just need to say something. There's literally a song that refutes these magic numbers because I've heard that three was the magic number. I don't think that's about science. Oh, what is that about? Then? I don't know. I think it's a about the three R's. No. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Okay. That's what it is. Well, what's that scene in uh, School of Rock where he's like, math is a really cool thing. I don't remember. And that's it's a magic number. Yeah, remember that's that? the song. That's the magic number. Three is the magic number. Yes, it is. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I think the only person that's going to get up. that are like young children who watched Curious George and listened to the Jack Johnson Curious George soundtrack as a child. Um, but yeah, so the island of stability. Asher will appreciate it. Sorry, keep going. The <laughs> okay. island of stability. Island of stability. We know you said 28 was the last one that we've actually confirmed one, as a magic number. Yeah. 128. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so the next one would be uh, 184. And so, um, and this but is that's based theoretical on. Theoretical and predicted, mm -hmm. not observed and studied. Got right. it. So the ones we've observed so far, they're, they're, considered especially stable nuclei so it's very hard to get them to do to fit to, to be split right okay. fission like they're like if there's actually this chart that i can show you right here um we've graphed the stability of different isotopes yes. right mm -hmm. and so that in the very center of that graph are the magic numbers right so the most stable ones are in that center Going back to the beginning of the episode, the the implications of the fission fusion. I'm sorry, I'm gonna keep saying it wrong. Yeah. Of uh, the fusion is maybe it might we might find some ways to actually get to the 184 magic number island of stability element. Right. So right now, what we do is just smash things together ourselves. Right. right. We just we're just throwing things together. Throwing things together really fast. They fuse together. We make a heavier element. That heavier element exists for a few seconds to a few hours at a time, and then it's gone again, mm -hmm. right? Um, if we're lucky, a few years, if it's like a really stable isotope. But especially once you were up at this 118 level, like they're existing for seconds, less than seconds. Do right? they do that in the Hadron Collider? Mm, I don't think so. Where do they do that? 
Let me see where they... I think Tennessee was made in Russia. Why would they name it after Tennessee if so, it was Russian? Um, the targets, the things they actually smashed together, were made in Tennessee. Oh, I see, I see. And then they... So a lot of these projects are international collaboration, so they make... Oh, okay. So, like, um, Oak Ridge in Tennessee is where a lot of these heavy elements are synthesized, actually. Yes, we've talked about that before. So, um, and then they'll send it to other places that have, like, accelerators, and then they'll accelerate them and smash them into each other, right? But the actual elements are synthesized in nuclear reactors in um, Oak Ridge. I don't know if they... I've been to the Heifer reactor in Oak Ridge. I don't know if the Heifer reactor is where they're synthesizing the heavy elements or if that's another part of the facility, but, yeah. Okay. Um, But I have been in Oak Ridge, and it's really cool, and they have a museum, and the museum's the best part. I will have to go to this museum <laughs> at some point in my life because it sounds amazing. I, I think it's only open to the public like a couple times a year. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of really cool places about nuclear stuff, especially in this area. Like the mm-hmm. the whip is just two hours away in into New Mexico, straight west of mm-hmm. us, and um. The WIP stands for Waste Isolation Pilot Program, which is the largest repository of nuclear waste in the United States. And I'm pretty sure they have a museum as well. And then you can keep driving and you can go to Los Alamos and then you can go to... Well, you can't go to Los Alamos. Well, you can, <laughs> you can drive... Go, you could drive by Los right, Alamos. True. But I'm pretty sure there's... Mu- like, between here and, like, Las Vegas, there's museums, you know, mm-hmm. about sure all is. this stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a museum... A- about Los Alamos in the area. And um, and you can go to the Trinity site once a year. They have it open to the public once a year. Yeah, but it's like two stupid days. It's like two days that like are literally stupid. There's like October 13th. And it's like, who just plans to go up to a place if on October 13th? If you were a real fan, you would plan to go there on October 13th. I, I'm going <laughs> to one of these days, but it's like October and April. Which is funny. Like, those are my two kids' birthdays. We'll just, I'll just make it a birthday celebration for mom. I think Asher would like that for sure. I don't know about Conan. Conan, if I told him it had to do with aliens, he'd probably be in. <laughs> he'd be like, I'm in. Yes. Conan's definitely got his mother's sensibilities when it came to, comes to uh, weird, crazy aliens, imagination things. Asher, on the other hand, is very, very into the science, and he would be into it for the science. Yeah. Um, but, so... Theoretically, this star or some some predecessor to this star theoretically made the super heavy element at 184, and that usually an element that heavy is probably not stable, right? But it's probably more stable, right? Right. And so it's probably going to be longer lived, and then creating these shorter lived daughter products that we are seeing as these super heavy elements in this star. So, here's a question. If it's like it, it would take an immense amount of heat and pressure to mm-hmm. create these things. Yeah. What if the star is like where the Big Bang happened? What if that's the central point? It's not. How do you know this? <laughs> How do you know this? I don't like talking to people smarter than me because because if I was talking to other people who were didn't know what they were talking about, they'd be like, that's a great idea. You're so brilliant. And then I talk to you and you're like, nope, nope, that's not how this works. Damn it. Because we, we... I, I think we've kind of pinpointed it. Yeah. It's, over, it's actually over in that area and that whatever. <laughs> whatever. Listen... I'm going to rewrite my own history and like you're going to tell me that I'm wrong but when I tell other people at the bar later tonight alternative right. facts dog also yeah. just 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 I just want to point out the 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 big bang made three elements it didn't make anything bigger than the three elements yeah, but then, like, there's also things with, like, the Higgs bosons and, like, wh- where did it get the gravitation and, like, there's still a lot of questions. Okay, but it didn't make the super heavy element at the beginning. It made it later. Yes, you're right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> so, but, like, I'm just trying to figure out what what situations, like, what could, why, why is this, I'm being scientific in my brain. I'm trying to come up with theories. Like, why mm-hmm. is this, how is this a thing? We got to, I mean, because if you don't give me a solid answer, I'm walking out of here tonight and saying aliens are putting radioactive waste in this star 
That that's the solution. Well, Carl Sagan put his name on it, so on this planet? No. I'm sorry. He he Carl Sagan um has talked about the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that he and another guy, I forget the other guy's name cuz Carl Sagan. Um right. yeah. <laughs> no, you just have to say Carl Sagan and nobody, um, nobody else matters. Uh, I can I can look him up for other people who care. But um yeah, so he put out a thing saying like what theoretically what could aliens do to signal their pl- presence? Putting nuclear waste in a star was one of the things that he theorized. Really? Yeah. Was that before or after they found this star? After. Okay, so he might have... I don't know if he knew about the star. Okay. But um, I, I know Carl Sagan wrote about this theory. I don't 100% know if he thought that it was like the most plausible one, but he... He was yeah. pretty into star stuff. Like, he was real... He was, I mean, I don't remember what his credentials were. No, he was an astrophysicist. Yeah, he? he was. He was a freaking astrophysicist. <laughs> he was a spaceman. So, that's right. He was the spaceman before Neil deGrasse yeah, yeah, Tyson. Yeah. He, he literally wrote the golden record. Him and Anne Durant. Dur- Dur- <sighs> he wrote the golden record? Him and his, his second wife did. I can't, yeah, they, they came up with did all this. Did he also this... help Elton John write the song Rocket Man? Yes, he did. That's canon. That's, that's canon. canon. <laughs> I ship it. Um, I rocket ship in it. Fact, okay. In fact, Elton John, that whole song, Elton John, is about Carl Sagan. They had like a torrid love affair I behind the it. scenes. It's I a, yeah, it. this 100%. is fact. You and me are going to be best friends. I got a deal, <laughs> man. Like, when, <laughs> when we're done here, I got some propositions for you. <laughs> um,. Yeah, no, I knew that. I, the funny thing is, is I've forgotten so much lately. Okay, so Carl Sagan chaired a committee that picked the things that were on okay. the record. Yes, he chaired a committee. But can you name one other person on that committee? Probably Wikipedia probably can. Well, but can you? Other okay, than I could barely name Carl Sagan. Yeah. So, <laughs> so basically, what this boils down to is Carl Sagan put the stuff or put the stuff on the golden record. Okay. We'll That's give him the credit. He deserves yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I do love Carl Sagan. Um, it's just been too long since I've read any of his books. To, And then it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. So we got sidetracked. I <laughs> sidetracked us. Uh, oh, yeah. Carl Sagan. The odds are my – I am guessing since he was an actual astrophysicist – and he said that afterwards, he probably heard about this star yeah. at the very least, and then made that postulation. Now he probably didn't believe aliens were doing it, but he probably also didn't not believe it. He I mean, we have no evidence one way or the evidence. other. Yeah, he was probably just waiting for the evidence to come in mm-hmm. because you know that's what scientists do. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, there's this really cool star over there. Maybe it's aliens. Let's figure it out. And um, but then like people like me, we don't because. <laughs> Because it's just aliens. Because don't tell me it's not. Because that would ruin my night. I mean, I can't tell you it's not because you can't prove a negative. So. Right. But. Uh, I win. I win. Sto- <laughs> conversation over. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> well, on that note, I guess I lost. Yes. Um, I my win. conspiracy theorist friend has won today. Um, I mean, don't we win every day? <laughs> I can just believe whatever I want. This is this is my life. Welcome back to Cowboy Chemistry. This was our first episode. Next time we're going to talk about historically black colleges and the first man to get a PhD, uh, first the first black man to get a PhD in chemistry, St. Elmo Brady. So join us for that. Um, yeah, I'm going to cut off this alien train now. Oh, are we done with the episode? Do you got more? No. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Okay. No, I, I didn't know. We can uh, keep talking about Carl Sagan. Yeah, I'm in. I love, love Carl Sagan. I love just talking about space and science stuff. I forget how much I know. It's all fascinating. But no, I honestly, I didn't. I don't actually win. I want to know real stuff. What? What's the cause? How did it? I mean, we don't know the cause. We don't know the cause. But I told you my the three theory or two two theories and a half theory, which is aliens did it. On purpose or just to dump, dump trash. And then, um, yeah, somehow we made a super heavy element. And by we, I just mean the universe. Mm-hmm. The universe made a super heavy element. And we're seeing the daughter products of that. 
Just how? How did it do that? They, I mean, we don't know. No, I know. If but we knew that, we would be making me, it. <laughs> you and me. Let's pretend we're drunk. Let's theorize how that would have happened. Like, like seriously. Like, I'm. Black hole? I don't know. Do you think? Do you think so? Do you think, like, do you think, could there be, like, a black hole at the center of this star or something? No. Um, so, recently, we saw a black hole eject material back out of itself. Yes. That was insane. I remember so, like, hearing about I mean, that. That's the first thing I can think of that might have happened. Like, maybe there's reactions happening in black holes that we don't know about that's creating super heavy elements. And then... I mean, if this black hole expelled material back out, maybe other black holes have too. I don't so know enough about space to really... <laughs> so we... Yeah, and the fact that we know that black holes condense really, really tight, that's a lot of freaking pressure. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe the center of this star was a burp. Was a burp from a black hole mm-hmm. that had created that really strong element and then other elements, because it is so heavy, coalesced around it and created the star and now mm-hmm. it's just in that perpetual cycle... That's interesting. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's my. That's off, just layman. Off the, off the yeah, noggin. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a. I'm not a space expert, but maybe that's the theory. That's just two people fucker screwing around talking about uh, on a podcast coming right. up with stuff. Who are. Well, one's well educated, and the other one's you know should be drunk. Uh, <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah. So, so that, okay. that, that's the theory I have on how it was made. We can We're cut like, we'll that do little that. piece in before your whole thing and then... Well, I have to say it again anyways. <laughs> but okay. So, thank you for listening to uh, Cowboy Chemistry. Um... Like I said, next time we're going to talk about St. Elmo Brady, uh, the first black man to get a PhD in chemistry and historically black colleges and universities. And, um... Yeah, so follow us on Instagram and stuff. We got a Patreon. So if you want to hear the bloopers from today's episodes that we cut out, you know, where we're talking about alien, more alien stuff. Yeah, follow the Patreon. Pay me pay me a dollar. Thank you. I'm going to pay you a dollar. I want to hear my bloopers. <laughs> Put in the Mexican music key. Apoptosis is going mad, my liver's gonna fail Maybe it's from the radium I use to paint my nails Well say you hate me, carbon date me, throw me in the sea I'll be back with time because I'm made of stardust and chemistry Of stardust and chemistry hey.